Hey everyone, and welcome to the Louisville Podcast. This week on Message Notes, Gord and myself are looking into part two of our one series. The first week we talked about God the Father, now we're talking about God the Son. It's all about Jesus in this podcast episode. It was a really fun conversation and we got really deep into some of the different meanings and functions of the Hebrew language and what that has to do with Jesus and our understanding of how this big picture Trinity idea actually works. I'm so excited for you guys to be here and I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, here we are, Gord, and uh, we're launching into our podcast here today. Good morning, Adams. Yeah, good morning. And this is kind of an exciting time. Now, as you guys are listening to this, you can't see where we are, but normally we do this in Pastor Gord's office and at the church, but we decided to have a little fun this morning, and uh, we're in Pastor Gord's living room. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice. I just wanted Adams, I wanted you to... Get a little look at our new spot. And uh, my wife and I moved out of the house that housed us and our three now grown and moved out children. Mm. And we've moved into a condo, a three bedroom condo. Yeah. One of which is my office, and one is our bedroom, and one is a guest room. So. Yeah. yeah, it was nice for you to come over. appreciate you making the trip. No, yeah, I love it. It's great. Now, you still haven't showed me that barbecue of yours, so maybe when we're done. Oh, that... when we're done, we can go out. <laughs> it's right outside. Yeah, love that barbecue. Now, I'm just curious. I'm the, I um, Was the house that you guys were in before, was that the... When you guys first came to Louisville in your in your role at Louisville, was that the house you guys moved into? That was the house we moved into. Really? Okay, yeah, wow. Yeah, the one in, on Tamarack, yeah. Yeah, so you would have spent how many years there? 18. 18 years. Wow. And yeah. I feel like I know the story a little bit, but when you guys put it up for sale, it sold quick, didn't it? Well, we were going on our 40th anniversary trip. Mm. And we had agreed to go to uh, Las Vegas, not because we're big on the casinos. I think <laughs> we were down on the strip twice in 19 right. days. right. We had more fun, by the way, going to the uh, uh, Pinball Arcade Hall of Fame. Really? With a pocket full of quarters, and we played Pac-Man and Galaga. Oh, wow. And a drop target game, a uh, pinball game called Aces High that I used to play in university. Don't <laughs> tell anybody. And uh, <laughs> we... We had more fun there. Uh, we visited, I think, one casino. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it the whole... Uh... But anyway, we went there, and uh, we wanted to see Grand Canyon. We drove oh, yeah. out to the Pacific Coast Highway in California, which was a, a dream of mine. I wanted to drive the Pacific Coast Highway, so mm. we did. And... Uh, uh, spent a little, a few days in California, and then we came back, and uh, we really enjoyed the time. So while we were going, Rosalie's sister said, "Why don't you put your house up on the market? Sure, you clean it once, you get it all ready. Yeah, you walk away." So that was okay. We left on Friday. They put a sign on the lawn on Saturday. Monday was the May long weekend. So Tuesday, it went up online. Right, yeah. 
Wednesday, we're sitting by the pool trying to figure out where we're going to have supper, and my cell phone lights up with uh, a note from uh, Heather, our real estate lady, saying, we've got a serious offer, can we talk? <laughs> Half an wow. hour later, our house was sold. Wow. So we went to supper that night with our house sold. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. So you're on like this vacation, and you're not in your mind, you're not even thinking about... I'm not even thinking about the house... And suddenly it's sold, and now we're thinking about, now, how do we get moved out of there by the end of the month? Because they wanted a quick closing. Oh, yeah. So And anyway, then you had to find a new place to live. And find a new place to live. Wow. So it was all a bit hectic. Yep. And uh, in the middle of that, we had a tragedy at the church. Right. Which took everybody's attention for mm-hmm. um, significant days. Mm. However... Here we are now in this little place tucked away. Oh, yeah. This is not the place we moved to from that house. We rented a house uh, for a year and then... Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, I do remember that. Then we saw this one and uh, we bought it in a day. Oh, nice. There you go. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I know the, uh, the house buying world can be at a weird stress that you're not necessarily prepared for. No. I, well, we looked at dozens of houses. Mm. Nothing was suitable. And we had driven by these condos, and Rosie said, is there anything in here you would even be interested in? And mm. I said, you know what? If a unit like that one uh, was available, I'd have a look at that. Sure, yeah. So it's six months later, we come driving by, and this very unit, the one I had pointed at, was for sale. There you go. We looked at it that day. We offered that night. And by the next morning, we had a done deal. Sweet. Very cool. So here we are. Here you. Here we're, we are. We're back in the Louisville community. Yeah. Close enough that I can walk to church if I have a mind to. So far, I haven't had a mind to, but I can <laughs> if I need. Well, the weather's getting better. So yeah, there may be true. some of that. That's true. But. Uh, yeah. Well, right on. That's a cool story. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of see God's hand in it, and about once a week, one of us looks at the other sitting here in the living room and says, I really like our place. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a blessing to be here. No, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Real nice spot. Well, Gord, we're in uh, week two of this new series. Yes. Um, that we've just titled One. So last week, we were talking about God the Father. Yeah. Now we're looking at Jesus. Yeah. The sun. Yeah. And um, it's kind of interesting because I think, oh, this is kind of funny. You guys can probably hear that it's now 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A gift from uh, a man two churches ago. And uh, he used to handcraft clocks. And uh, anyway. And there you go. Yeah. I was, just, I was just thinking, oh, the listeners might be thinking, what is that sound in the background? Yeah. That's our, our um, chiming clock. Yes. No, I love it. So yeah, sorry, what I was saying is now we're in um, part two in Jesus the Son. Um, and yeah, like, I'm just curious, like, I find of the three, sometimes, it, I don't want to say too much focus, but I find sometimes people will only focus on, on this person. Jesus. Right. Yes. Now, how like how does that hit you? Would you agree with that? Would you not? No, or? no, I don't agree with it um, because 
it separates out the persons of the Trinity mm. in a way that I don't think they wanted to be separated. Right, fact, it's not Jesus, helpful. It's not helpful because Jesus even said, he said to different people, I and the Father are one. Mm. Now, just as, you know, the teaching for the Jews was Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus, one of the things that got him into trouble was for him to say, the Father and I are one. Mm. And so he never intended to be seen right. and as separate from the Father. Right. And so we have to see them cooperating. We have to see the interplay. Mm. And, um, you know much of what we did on Sunday was to talk about that interplay. Yeah. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my own stuff. Mm. I came to do the works of him who sent me. So what I hear, I speak. Right. What he tells me, I do. Mm. Like there is this active, active interconnectedness between Father and Son mm -hmm. and Holy Spirit uh, we'll talk about that right. next week, but right. but there is an interconnectedness of all three mm. in the earthly ministry of Jesus. Right. And Jesus acknowledged it, directed people to it. Mm. So when we say, "Well, I, I'm Jesus only," right? Well, uh, um, sorry, mm. but you've missed something in translation here. Right. Because Jesus wasn't Jesus only. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I don't subscribe. I, I'm, I've spent my entire ministry. Mm. Um, and part of it was teaching systematic theology. Right. For a number of years in Toronto. Uh, there is something to, the, to helping people reconcile Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying understand. No, yeah. Because we talked about this last week. People say, well, it's like an egg. You know, the shell, right. the white, and the yolk. No, because oh. those are three different things. Mm -hmm. That's not who, how it was with, or water. Right, the steam, ice, or water. Steam, ice, or liquid water. No, no, don't, don't have it right yet. Right. So the three are interconnected. Hmm. All have essential roles. Well, the roles aren't the same. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I risk right here. <laughs> but here we go. Here we go. This is where I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we understand the relationship of the Father and the Son, hmm. Jesus says we are one. Ontological is a, a philosophical, theological word that means that the, the ontology is the study of being. Who are you? Right. So Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Now that doesn't mean identical. Right. And it doesn't mean that they do the same work. Mm -hmm. Because the Father is the initiator and so with Jesus, there is, and here we go, a functional subordination. 
Now, some people get all squirrely when I talk about a functional subordination. Okay. But Jesus himself taught it. He said, I didn't come to do my work. I came to do the work of him who sent me. Mm. What I hear, I speak. Right. Yeah. I and the Father are one. So ontologically, they're co-equals. Right. But functionally, they're not. Interesting. The Father, the initiator tells the son what he wants him to do and then I'm going to tip my hand here and then the son in the power of the Holy Spirit does what the father wants done. Right. So you can't take any one of the three out of that equation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I would reiterate, I do not understand how they all fit together except right. that I know that the Father initiates, the Son does, but he does in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I sometimes wonder too if it's, a, if it's a cultural phenomenon that we're in right now where we, we kind of, without us realizing, we constantly want to have like a very... I don't want to use the word simplistic, but like a, almost like a mathematical understanding of everything, right? Like one plus one equals two, and I get that. But yet, we need to sort of release ourselves of that um, to say there are some mysteries that we're just not... Yeah, we talked about this last week. Yeah. There are some mysteries hmm. that are okay and better if they're mysterious. Right. Yeah. And... The other thing I think that hinders us is that we love the closeness of Jesus. Right. God came near. Yes. Emmanuel, God with us. Yes. Mm. But understand, he did not come alone in that sense. Right. Yeah. No, continue. No, when he goes up to the mountain while it was yet dark... He's not going up to navel gaze. Right. Yeah. He's going up to talk to the father who's going to now instruct him as to what's next. Mm-hmm. And the power of the Holy Spirit is what's going to enable him to carry that out. Right. Over and over again, Jesus connects with both father and spirit. Right. That's fascinating. It's, it's neat too because... Um, it's almost like maybe when we read into the New Testament, we maybe we just don't realize what's happening in those moments. Um, because too often I hear, you know, you'll hear, and we don't need to go down this road at all, but it's a road that many people have thought about. It's like, oh, you know, like I like Jesus, but the God of the Old Testament and, and all this sort oh. of stuff. But, you know, it was fascinating. I was speaking with a friend the other day who's, who's in... Um, He's, he's continuing his studies and academics mm-hmm. and such. And, you know, he said early in his Christian walk, he had that same sort of dilemma. You know, he, he fell in love with the personhood of, of Jesus Christ, and he was really just reading the New Testament, and he was nervous to read the Old Testament. But this was an interesting catch that I, that I had never heard before. He said, My, the problem that I kept facing was Jesus was obsessed with what was going on in the Old Testament, he kept quoting the scriptures. Kept referring to it over and over and right. over. And, and then also the writers of the New Testament, they keep quoting things from the Hebrew scriptures. And he said, I don't think you can have one with like... You, <laughs> you, you can't because the, the Old Testament 
constantly. And there are Bible scholars who've spent time, and I love that they've done it. I just don't have the handle on it that they do. Sure, yeah. Who picture Jesus as the perfect whatever from the Old Testament. Oh, sure, yeah. So he is the Rose of Sharon. Hmm. He is the suffering servant right. of Isaiah 53. He is the perfect lamb that is provided hmm. in the story of Abraham and Isaac right. on Mount Moriah. Right. Constantly, there are references to Jesus yet unseen. Right. And Jesus says, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. No sign, but the sign of Jonah. Mm. Well, he's pointing to himself and he's pointing to the resurrection, but he's using the Old Testament to do it. Right. Over and over. Mm. He points people back. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question for you for clarity's sake. I, f I feel like some people could easily think that the different persons of the Trinity only show up once only start to exist once they've shown up in the grand narrative. So did Jesus and I'm I'm doing air quotes here exist yeah. before what we read in the New Testament? Absolutely. And it it says in the Bible, in the book of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the Word was God. And it goes on in that first chapter of John to say nothing was created without Him. Mm. So not only do you have um, um, Old Testament ruach, okay. Hebrew word for spirit, mm -hmm. the ruach hovered over the face of the waters. So the Holy Spirit was there. Yeah. When God commanded, the Holy Spirit was there, and we are told that the Son was involved in the creation. Hmm. So from the very beginning, and then along the way where you have, um, you know, the real estate guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abungalow, <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yeah are in the furnace, and it says there was one with them right. like the Son of God. Hmm. Wow. Cameo appearances here and there. <laughs> yeah. Now, as would, is that something that we pick, up, we pick up on after we know the full story, or like would of the ancient Hebrews had an understanding of, of the three persons of God or, or was that more nuanced to them? I mean, it's hard, hard to really it's know. It's a hard call, but we know this, that the writers of the Old Testament, particularly, let's say, in the life of Saul. So Okay. Uh, let's back up a little before that to the time of the judges. Oh, okay, yeah. So there's a cycle. I call it a downward spiral. Yeah. Because each time it happens, it gets worse and worse. So the people do what's evil in the sight of the Lord. Mm. They are placed under an oppression. 
They cry out to God. God sends a deliverer mm. called a judge. Hence the book Judges. Judges, yeah. Now the thing about the judges, we are told early on in the book of Judges that the Holy Spirit came upon this judge and they judged. Right, yeah. Okay. So you've got the Holy Spirit with judges. So then Israel, long story short, Israel says, we want a king like the other nations. So God says, well, okay. But he says to Samuel, now they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me from being king over them. Hmm. He acknowledges Saul, by the way, who was very tall, very handsome. Mm. He was the kingliest king that could be king. Right. He, He was... All of that and a bag of chips. He was the guy. He was the guy. And it says the Holy Spirit rushed upon Saul. Mm. And he began to prophesy like the prophets who were prophesying. So the people acknowledged it's the Holy Spirit that makes the prophets prophesy. Mm. And now Samuel is prophesying. Is he now among the prophets? Right. But they acknowledged that it was the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So they had a sense Hmm. that God was... Yeah, it almost sounds like they had a sense that there was a mystery. There's a mystery in there, and I don't know how it fits together, but I do know that uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes upon... Hmm. And the way they refer to the Holy Spirit is almost like the way they do in the New Testament. Right, okay. Huh. And the Spirit rushed upon Saul. The word is leaped. Hmm. Like a lion leaps and attacks. The Holy Spirit leaped upon Saul and he began to prophesy. People understood how God was working. Interesting, yeah. By the way, Moses wrote Genesis Hmm. and said, and the spirit hovered over the face of the waters, the Ruach. Right. Which was a different name than Yahweh. Right, right. So they had a separate name for this other person. Hmm. So there is some sense that they knew. Hmm. I'm not sure what their understanding was. How could we? Oh, yeah. How could we? Yeah. Except from what they say. Yeah. It's neat to, uh, just as you mentioned, the name Yahweh there. And sometimes we we don't catch it because we're reading out of our English Bibles. But um, it's neat too. like if you've ever noticed as you're reading scripture, um, you may see sometimes where the word Lord is spelt um, all in capitals. Yes. Yeah, and typically what that means is that that is the word that's being actually used there is Yahweh, um, which I just I, I just always like to point that out to people because they you can easily miss it, right? Now, let me risk again. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrew words are built on a three-consonant radical. Okay. Every Hebrew word comes back to middle three consonants. Now, they have prefixes, they have suffixes. And sometimes 
when a suffix is added, there's a doubling dot put into the middle radical or the end radical, which which then doubles. But mm. every word, the word for road, Derek, okay. D-E-R-E-K. Now, the E's weren't put in till the Masoretes put them in 400 years after the time of Christ. Right. So the, the word for road is D-R-K. Mm. And they breathed in the vowels. Oh, okay. So they weren't written in till later, but they were breathed in by the people who used the language. I'm tracking. Okay. <laughs> so three consonants. Mm-hmm. Except for the name of God. Y-H-W-H. They called it the Tetragrammaton. And they would not pronounce Yahweh. Mm. In fact, Jehovah is, and I'm not even going to go down this road, but Jehovah, if, if I could show you on paper, everybody, I could show you how the Y became a J and the H and the W and the V and right. the H, and the vowels were put in to give us Jehovah. Right. But it's really Yahweh. Fascinating. And they would refer to it as the name. The name. Because they, they did not want to say not that. Not going to say There's such a deep reverence. And... Such a deep reverence. They would not say the name. Mm. In fact, what they would say is the name. Hmm. And then when translations made it to English, that's where the... The all caps Lord came in. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just little, little neat little things you, you, you may have read for your entire life and didn't know. You're like, why do they always capitalize? Why do they them? always do that? Well, yeah. because there in the Hebrew text was probably the Tetragrammaton and mm. they would not say it. No, oh, yeah. Very cool. So that's a little bit of a digression. Oh, no, it's all good. I like it. I, people better be taking notes. Now, Gord, there, there was an illustration that you and I chatted about a little bit last week, and yeah. then you talked about it more at length in, in your teaching on Sunday. But this image of the mountain, I'm curious yes. to, if, to like kind of get into that a little more, because I really think this imagery of what you refer to as the upside-down mountain Yes. Oh, it's it can really it's I find it very helpful and very it can really change kind of your perspective on Well, I I think so because when you talk about religions mm -hmm. and people will say, Well, there are many religions and they will take for granted that there is a mountain and God is at the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. People will acknowledge that for the sake of the discussion. Right. But then they'll say all of these other isms and religions all are ways of climbing the mountain to God. They're different pathways. Different and, pathways. Yeah. Everybody takes a different pathway, but they yeah. arrive at the same place. Yeah. For those of you who have hiked, uh, what's the mountain down in, in Maine? Um, oh, Katahdin. Well, Katahdin. Yep. Yeah, we, we hiked as a youth group, a cardigan. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And um, a lot of those mountains, they, they literally do have... Different paths. Different paths. Uh, even Everest. Mm. They'll say, we're going to go up the, the North Face. Right. Yeah. Wow, North Face. That would be a great name for a, a line of outdoor winter gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. 
But I love John Mark Comer because he's thinking really clearly here. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that separates Christianity from all the others is not that we climb to God. Right. You have to take that triangle that is the mountain mm-hmm. and you have to flip it upside down so that God is at the top. The point is at the ground. Where we are. Where we are. Yeah. But the point is that Jesus came to us. Right. We did not climb to him. Mm-hmm. The beauty of the incarnation is that God came near. Mm. We did not get near. And all of these other religions are climbing to get to God. Okay. Mm. And we talk about, you know, the ladder being against the wrong wall. And the wrong all of wall, that. yeah. But not one of them says, this one came to me to embrace me, to open the way to God so that I could be loved by God. Mm. And that for me makes a huge difference when we acknowledge the simple biblical truth that God came near. Yeah. Should call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Right. Yeah, and, and and what I love about the imagery is that not that it's an idea of argument or or trying to we we've chatted a little bit about apologetics, but when you are um putting different world religions quote unquote against each other, yeah. because some may say, Oh, they're all the same, it's all different paths. Um that is a huge difference, right? Of of God coming to us, not us. Yeah, coming and to there God. are and there are a couple of others. You know, people will say, "Well, you know, love is is kind of the the um, the the even playing field." Type the even thing. playing field. Everyone's yeah. headed for love. Mm-hmm. So you know what what makes this one different? Well, the the difference is. That in the Old Testament, there was another Hebrew word, sorry for this, chesed, mm-hmm. H-E-S-E-D, which translators have a really hard time with hmm. because it's, it, sometimes it's, it's translated mercy, sometimes covenant faithfulness, mm. sometimes um, covenant love, sometimes uh, faithful, everlasting faithfulness. Like right. It gets all these translations because the writers are having such a hard time getting their heads around hesed. Mm. Because hesed is for God to commit himself to covenant faithfulness because of his love. Mm. And then he keeps that covenant faithfulness. Right. So when Israel gets themselves in trouble and they chase other gods, God restores them and he brings them back because of hesed. Mm. When... Um, when Israel has wandered far or an individual has wandered far. Mm. God brings them back and it's because of his chesed. Yeah. I didn't get enough in that. But anyway, (laughs) never mind. What I find fascinating too, Gord, about that is when you start, I mean, you look at the Israelites as the example, you know, them, them wandering away and and it doesn't take long reading into that into the into the grand narrative of the Hebrew text that um, 
It happens quite a bit. <laughs> but these moments, like, I think, and I think it's actually from John Mark's book there, um, God Has a Name, where he talks about sometimes we can confuse God's mercy, um, which you said could be translated into hased, uh, but also with this idea of God's quote-unquote wrath and the idea that maybe like, you know, God's mercy is maybe us getting away with something, but that's not actually what it is at all. It's it's flipped the other way around. I think John Mark uses the example of um, a man who's getting caught in adultery. And we may think um, God's mercy is that he he gets gets away with it, but that's not it at all. Mm. God's wrath is 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 him getting away with it in his heart becoming hard. Yes. Right? God's mercy is is the man getting caught with it. And See, then... if if you go back to Pharaoh. Hmm. Yes, yeah. And God says, "Let my people go." And Pharaoh says, "No," because his heart was hardened. Hmm. One of the worst things that can happen for you and I mm-hmm. is that our heart get hardened and we will think we're getting away with stuff but really our heart is getting hardened and one of the worst things that can happen for us is that we lose the sensitivity we lose Mm. see psalm 136 and i would just uh, just coming back to chesed for a minute yeah for sure and i'm just going to say if you haven't read 136 in a while go back and read it okay Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, steadfast love is a refrain through all 26 verses of that psalm. Mm -hmm. And what is translated steadfast love, right there, Mm -hmm. is chesed. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his chesed endures forever. Interesting. Yeah. He was going to free Israel, his people, because of his chesed. Right. With a strong arm and a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his chesed mm. endures forever. The Red Sea struck down great kings, mentioned Sihon and Og, stories worth reading. This guy had a nine foot iron bed. That is a big boy. Anyway, he remembered us in our low estate. He rescued us from our foes. He gives food to all flesh. Every one of those followed by, for his chesed endures forever. Right. Got to be careful with uh, God's chesed Mm. and his wrath. Mm Mm-hmm. And not, we, we have to see it from his perspective. Right. What does he want from us? Well, it's always about the heart. Mm-hmm. And so if he allows us to get away with stuff over and over and over, and our heart becomes hard as a result, mm. is that mercy or judgment? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. See? But we have to see it from his perspective. Yeah. Because again, theology that just is expressed by how it fits me Mm. is always offline. Yeah. 
and the, and and for our listeners too, um, that can sometimes be because some people can uh, a large part of their journey they can be confused about that, right? They can see the Bible and see the grand narrative as being all about me, all about me, and so they can say, well, you know what I. Yeah. You can ask them about lifestyle, and they say, yeah, but, you know, God hasn't done anything. Hmm. Ask yourself why. Right. And where is your heart relative to God right now? Hmm. And what does that say about how God is dealing with you? Yeah. And so maybe there ought to be some pleading with God Hmm. not to allow your heart to be hardened. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a great daily morning prayer as soon as you wake up, regardless of your situation. Everything could be fine, but just as I live throughout this day, God, let my heart not be hardened. Let not my heart be hardened. Hmm. It's not a bad practice. Not a bad practice. Yeah. Now, I want to circle back to this mountain analogy and the upside down mountain, Jesus coming down to us. But then in your teaching, you talked a little bit about, and it's one of my favorite moments in the, in the, Jesus, in the Jesus story of the, the, the Great Commission. And, and you talk about how we typically only quote like at verse 19 forward. 19 and 20 instead of 18, 19 and 20. Yeah. Now, this, is, this may just be me looking into it or reading into it. And, and I always love this idea of like the... The disciples there listening to Jesus and he's saying those words of saying, like, I have been given all the authority, which yeah. as we've talked about before means he he has the ability, um, but he also has the right to do yeah. it. And so in my mind, that like what's happening, it's like the disciples are like, Yes, finally. This is this is the Messiah, this is the warrior this God, is, the this king. Is the warrior God. Who's here, but then you keep reading what Jesus says, and you say, I've been given all authority, and yet I, I want you to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The great, the, like, I just love it. It's like, I love the idea of us calling it the Great Commission, but it's also like it's the great flip. Well, it is, and, and I think, uh, I'm not sure that the disciples even understood at that point mm. that's why i talked about first john 3 8 yeah that he came to undo the works of the devil that they understood who the battle was with right yeah so would you say it would be fair for them in their context they probably would have still been thinking rome rome yeah we're going to pull rome down because they were the oppressor yeah that's not who Jesus was fighting with. No. <laughs> Rome was, excuse me, almost incidental. Yes, right. people were losing their lives to Rome, mm-hmm. but any political leader or group that assumes that they have strength that cannot be opposed mm. need to understand who Jesus came to fight against. Right. Yeah. He he wasn't he wasn't there to fight Rome. No. And by the way, God just gave Rome 
everything they wanted. Everything. Just go back and talk about the orgies during Caligula's day. Just talk about their military might. Just watch Gladiator. Right. God gave them everything they wanted. And was that good or bad? Because in the end, they collapsed from within. Oh, yeah. Jesus did not need to topple Rome. Hmm. But he did come to tear down the works of the devil. Right. And by the way, that word authority in the context of the Great Commission, mm. I have interpreted it this way. He says, just go do what I tell you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to build my church. Mm. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Yeah. That's building his church. And in Matthew 16, he says the gates of hell won't prevent it. Mm -hmm. That's where the battles fought. Yeah. And Jesus says, all, it, it, it's almost a guarantee that when we make disciples, when we baptize, mm -hmm. when we do all of this work that some may laugh at mm -hmm. and find fault with, that, that very thing right there is Jesus building his kingdom. Mm. And it will get built because he didn't send us with a, why don't you go on out there and uh, preach some and see what happens? <laughs> Give it a whirl. See, yeah, do your yeah. best, yeah. you know. I'll be, I'll be cheering you on. <laughs> I'll be cheering you on. No, he says, you go do that and I will build my church. Mm. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yeah. It's a powerful moment. Oh, it's a, it's, it, it's game changer. Yeah. Because it's like, if, if you knew, church leader, believer, mm -hmm. if you knew that if you just went out in Jesus' name, Talk to people about coming to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And they prayed to receive Christ. If you knew that was going to happen, not with every person, oh, yeah. but was going to happen, would that change how brave you would be about that? Mm. Yeah. 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 And he says, you go do it, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I'm mashing two scriptures together no, yeah. here, the, yeah. the Matthew 16 and the Matthew 28. Right. And mm. I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevent it. Mm. Because his real battle was with Lucifer and the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. And that language that you used was the Jesus was the tip of God's spear. He was spear. the tip of the spear. Yeah. And and by, and by the way, oh no, I I can't. We'll talk about it next week when we talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, this is a, it could be a good segue though into yeah, where we're going because um, Jesus says to them, 
um, it's better that I go. Because mm. if I go, another helper will come. Yeah. And he says to them, you'll do greater works than I did. And we said, no, how, what? How could we, yeah. How could we? Yeah. Was because he had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit working in him in every area of his incarnation. Mm. Everything from his being born to his being raised from the dead, everywhere along the way, we connect to the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus. And he says, it's better. Yeah. Believe me, it's better if I send the Holy Spirit for each of you. Right. Now, okay, so now as we're as we're just as we're landing the plane here. Landing the plane. And getting ready for this coming Sunday, as we'll as as you said, we're we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit. Um what I'm excited about too, and I know you guys have done this before in, in Louisville's past as you've been here, but you know, the what what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the stereotype is that Baptists don't talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we the you know, Baptists were we're of the book, we're 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 Bible it's people. It's all cerebral. Yeah. It it's all cognitive. Right. And I think it was um I think it was Francis Chan who a while ago wrote a book called um, The Forgotten God. The Forgotten God, which is all about. Um... I, I love chapter two of that book. Mm. You know what it's called? No. What are you afraid of? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're prepping or as we're getting ready yep. um, for Sunday, maybe what's what's kind of like a lead-in thing? Just as we're just as we're landing the plane here, you know, we've we've talked on God the Father, God the Son. And yeah, now God here the it Spirit. Is. Here it is. If Jesus did everything he did in the power of the Holy Spirit, what power do you and I think we need to do everything we're called to do in? Mm. If his birth the miracles, on and on and on, even to offering himself Mm -hmm. and being raised by the Spirit, if all of that happened by the Holy Spirit, here's a line we've used at Louisville. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more pathetic than trying to do the work of the Spirit in the power of the flesh. (laughs) Yeah. It's not about trying harder or being more clever. It's about being carried by the Holy Spirit like Jesus was. Mm. Listen to this. Just one more verse. Oh, yeah. And then, then we're, we're going to stop. <laughs> I, like I can go all day on this, but uh, we can't. John chapter 3 and uh, verse 34. I'm going to back up a couple of verses. 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. There it is, repeated. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. People were not believing Jesus. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God 
is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Jesus had the Spirit without measure because there was nothing sinful in Jesus that would oppose the working of the Spirit. Mm. And so he heard God clearly, he was enabled in every way, and he did the work that the Father wanted him to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we are going to do the work that the Father wants us to do in the name of Jesus, in what power are we going to do it? There we go. Yeah. We need to become people who become comfortable with the leading and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because that's how Jesus builds his kingdom. Yeah. Amen. If you're trying to do it any other way, hand the keys back and walk away. Because mm. it's not going to happen. Because yeah. remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all going to be in on it. Right. Can't have one over the other. Can't have one without the other. Can't have one above the other. You can't. Oh, it's yeah. It's going to be all three. It was for the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a okay, powerful... the end. I'm done. <laughs> it's going to be a powerful Sunday, and uh, I'm excited for next week when we get to chat more about yeah. this very subject. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Adams. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it's been a good day. It has. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Uh, God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Well, I guess we'll, we'll, you'll hear us next week. Okay. <laughs>